Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite podcast, the Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always by my faithful sidekick, Chad Sowash. And today we're super geeked to talk a little bit of Indeed stuff with Jenny Cody Kangas. She's the Director of Digital Experience and Talent Acquisition at Regis Corp. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys are having a great day so far. Oh, thank you. You're so Minnesotan, so polite. I love it. Before we get into the nitty gritty, what do our listeners need to know about you? My name's Jenny. Uh, People locally call me JCK. Love it. And um, I am the director of digital experience and talent acquisition for a company called Regis Corporation. And we own a lot of salons. Chad's been to all of them. Obviously, he's been to all of them, all 60 brands. That's impressive. That's impressive. He's got a lot of hair to deal with. Got to make sure, got to make sure I get the right, the right shave, right? It's, it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. So, okay. So digital experience, what does that even mean? What do you cover? (laughs) I don't even know what it is. So what are you accountable for? What are you responsible for? What's all the fun stuff? All the fun stuff. I work in an industry that's talent acquisition super critical. I don't know the last time that you went to go get your hair cut that you had a robot cut your hair, but um, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. And until we do, uh, talent acquisition is critically important because ultimately when a customer walks through the doors, we wanna make sure we've got somebody to cut their hair or to perform a service. And so um, as a result, talent acquisition is super, super important. And I work in a world where I've got a mixture of a couple, smaller amount of corporate salons, but a lot of franchise 
And so what I do for a living, I always joke, I'm a Marvel nerd, so apologize in advance, but um, I always say I maintain Iron Man's suit. So when Iron Man needs a new guided missile system, I go and get it. And then I make sure that once I put it in, the rest of the suit still fits. And um, so ultimately what I do is I build technology that helps people be able to take on recruiting the right way so that they can have sales and, and revenue and profitability. Those missiles are probably what you would call recruitment marketing, which have gone fucking crazy lately. So g g give me some background around how you're actually dealing with recruitment marketing as a part of the digital experience. Absolutely. Yep. So we're seeing a really big shift out there in the market. There is a movement going away from that passive, I'm going to post a job and somebody's going to apply into this more like active, you got to go actually hunt um, for people. And so as I dug into this role and took on the global talent acquisition, I started digging into the analytics and I was a bit of a nerd. And so I always want to see, you know, what's converting? Is something converting more than others? What's leading to our success for where we're at today? When I looked at the data, the data was really, really, really concerning. Um, one of those data points that I was calling out was I had a cost per apply, which is something that, you know, we see a lot uh, in our space. But um, the cost per apply had gone from $33 to over $300. Whoa. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Are we talking for hairstylists? Are we talking about for, corporate positions? Help me. See. What was we're, that? We're talking about a hairstylist. We're talking a cost per apply on Indeed for a hairstylist. Wow. Not someone with just a Floby Chad, a real professional. Ah, uh, okay. Real cool. pro well, ideally a real professional, but I don't even have analytics to tell you that's the case. But <laughs> um, but anyway, so when I looked at that, I was like, gosh, I haven't been this close to recruitment marketing up until this point, but something doesn't seem right here. And so I reached out to Deb Anderchuk uh, over now at Lowe's and shot her a message on a Sunday. It was just like, hey, haven't been as close to recruitment marketing. I know costs have gone up. But this seems a little bit outside of the standard deviation of that. Is this right? And she, uh, her response was to call me directly and say, what the hell are you doing? And um, <laughs> Well, and for those who don't know, and you've been in the in the corner for years in the fetal position, Deb Andrewchuk has been in this industry for 20 plus years, agency experience. She's now at Lowe's. I mean, she she has the chops. So I'm sorry, go ahead, JCK. She, she has the right. Yes. For anybody who, who does not know that, you should know her because she is the person that when you see something really weird, um, you want to have in your circle to be able to say, hey, is this normal or not? Yeah. And then she calls you directly and says, what the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> and so I uh, was very thankful to Deb for that because essentially she checked, you know, my hypothesis, something's up here. And um, so I turned around to Indeed and I had a new um, a new contact there. His name's Ryan Short. God bless him. He's amazing. Anybody at Indeed who's listening, Ryan Short needs a raise because he's phenomenal. <laughs> he has to put up a They all listen. They all listen. Yes, there you go. There you go. And so poor Ryan um, got me on the other side of the table and I essentially said, something's not right with my account. We're a bit of a unicorn. We've got 60 plus brands. Something's not working right because these numbers just something's weird. Can you just dig into this? And so we talked about that. I said, I, I really want you to take this beginner's mindset approach and look at this from a white slate. What's going on? And then I want you to do like a QBR and report it to me. And so he did that. 
put together this awesome deck and great presentation and gets all the way to the end of it and says, all right, Jen, what do you think? And I said, well, I really appreciate you taking all the time to go through that, but I only care about slide 11. And he said, what? What, Like what's on slide 11? So he quickly flips back and it's on market share. And so this slide in particular was telling me that the market share, so the available candidates that I had out there, the available stylists that were on Indeed, it had shrunk by half. Did they know why? They didn't They didn't know why. Okay. Yep. And so this, these are the questions that I started to ask them. Like, yeah. why, why have you lost 50% of the market share? Like, why aren't you trying to get those people back? Because we call that targeted recapture, right? And he's like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to research this. And I was like, totally okay. Come back. Let me know. You know, how are you getting these people back into your, onto your platform? And so they came back and he had kind of the mixture of the blueprint of what, what they do. So if you're not on the, if you're not on your profile, I'm going to send you a message and you know, those little feeler messages that you get. And I said, that's awesome. But do you ever break that out by persona? And so really guys, what I was trying to figure out is like, if I target stylists, right. Right. And now this channel, which is one of my primary channels of conversion, so where I get people, if they have lost market share. So now it's like, let's say for easy numbers, I had 100 candidates out there in a bucket. And today I have 50, right? It's going to mm-hmm. cost me a heck of a lot more money to get those 50 candidates. And they're probably a lot less likely to convert too, because great clips and sport clips and everybody else is going to try to get them as well. And so... What I wanted them to do was essentially, hey, you've got the data. It's your data. Um, You've got the people who were on your platform before. If something falls outside of a standard deviation in terms of market share, I want you to contact them, um, that stylist candidate, and ask them to go and update their resume or update their Indeed platform. Mm -hmm. And so Ryan, God bless him, went back and (laughs) essentially said, we've got this client and she kind of has a really good idea and can we consider doing this? And they said, no. And so then I, I was, yeah. Cause you know, like we like success, uh, not doing the same thing all the time, Yeah. but I don't know, maybe that's just a recruiting thing. It's not your fault. They lost 50% market share, but they want you to continue to do business with them. And their whole business rationale is, well, there are less stylists, so you're going to have to pay us more. It's not my fault that you guys shrunk your pool. Well, and I think it's a it's a piece that people don't necessarily think of, uh-huh. like especially in the recruitment marketing world. If I'm looking at the mix of different channels that I'm putting dollars into, right? If I don't have insight into how many of my specific like target market are on those channels, it's the equivalent of throwing spaghetti at a wall, right? Because like right. Alton, what I said to Ryan was, if you guys don't have a, a plan to recapture those stylists, this is not the right channel for me to market in because ultimately like if there's no strategy, losers have goals, winners have systems. Right. So like if there's no strategy to get this back, I'm probably like this, this isn't a place where I should be spending my money. Yes. Yeah. No, no question. So what was the, res- I mean, has there been a response? I mean, we've seen this new cost per apply start model uh, start to, to, yeah, the CPAS, yeah, the the CPAP, (laughs) the thing that you wear at night to go to sleep. No. Uh, So, I mean, is, is this kind of like toward more of a model that makes more sense to you? Or is this just another way to throw spaghetti at the wall? Yeah. And do you have a theory as to why they wouldn't do that? Yeah. I I have a theory. I think Indeed is an awesome 
organization, but they sometimes um, have a tendency when it comes to innovation or ideas to not be able to bring an idea forward and to activate on it. And so um, if you don't have like a feedback loop for that, it's going to be harder to move forward. And I think this is a different way of looking at some of the historical ways we've done recruitment marketing and it's free, (laughs) right guys? Like what I'm talking about is it's their data. It's leveraging the same AI that they're using. It's just, instead of doing it, Hey, you've been off of our website for this long. I want to put one more layer in there that says you are a target persona. So a target group of people like a stylist or a CNA or a vet tech and we've lost a bunch of people. So now I'm going to go out to all of y'all and have you, you know, update your profile. So just adding another layer on there in terms of what we're going after. Um, I think this is where we get into this historical kind of, we've always done it this way mentality. That doesn't really help us in a war for talent. So I'm hoping, you know, somebody will see this and think, let's just kind of look at it differently. Bureaucratic red tape is kind of what you think is going on there. Maybe just it's too big. Things happen too slowly. Uh, and this was an idea that just wasn't going to be accepted. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like if you've got an idea on the table that doesn't cost you any money and it could make you a lot of money, why wouldn't you? No, I, uh, I want to be fair to indeed because you are, you're a big, you're a big organization. And I think it sounds like you had an agency helping you with the marketing of these positions. Like indeed, obviously I'm going to assume wasn't the only platform that you were marketing these jobs. Correct. And if that's the case, was indeed an outlier with all the other sort of cost per applications. Talk about that. Did everybody else go up 10 times the rate? (laughs) No, no, they didn't. Um, It was just indeed, but that actually went back to our um, recruitment marketing provider. There was some rules in the logic that were not bouncing to the next channel. They were kind of staying on indeed. So those numbers when there wasn't a ceiling, Mm-hmm. Um, kind of went off the charts. And so um been working with them to get that under control too, because that's important as well. But uh, they were the main one where our costs had gone up just absolutely dramatically. So was that a programmatic kind of glitch? It was a programming glitch for my programmatic provider, correct? Okay, okay. That can be corrected, but that's that's something that people should be looking out for. <laughs> they can. That's where we like, you know, when we're, when we're leveraging artificial intelligence, uh, you know, to, to direct our strategy. We usually want to put that before the human so that Mm -hmm. it can give us some insights versus having the human direct the strategy because humans tend to have bias. So it's just a different way. Again, in a perfect world, if the programmatic algo, it corrects itself, you shouldn't have these problems with indeed going forward. That would be awesome. As long as indeed goes and gets more people, (laughs) they need more (laughs) stylists. This isn't that the problem that with Indeed goes away. The problem with Indeed is still the problem with Indeed. Now she can go outside of just using Indeed and not pay 10 times that of what she paid, what, maybe six, eight months ago. Yes. And I've decided to flip the funnel a bit too. And so instead of just the top down approach, we're leveraging additional tools to go bottom up. And so some strategic sourcing, which hasn't really been done in the space as, uh-huh. as long. Um, and it's been pretty successful for us so far. So, you know, we got to ask what works, what doesn't, what do we change? And in a war for talent, you, sometimes you got to try different stuff. <laughs> well, talk, talk about your, your sort of dive into sourcing for stylists. What's the strategy around that? Oh, absolutely. So um, Mike Cohen, who's amazing, Batman. Batman. Um, I was, yeah, uh, him and I were uh, rocking out and um, 
having some fun after hours one day building out a uh, blind hiring model. And I said to him, I was like, this isn't working. He goes, well, yeah, because you're not going about it the right way. I go, okay, Batman, you tell me how should I be going about it? He's like, you got to go bottom up. You got to do what we're doing. He's like, you're going top down. You're trying to attract a market. It's like, and and this is what I was, I I said, it's the equivalent of standing in uh, US Bank Stadium and shouting at a empty stadium, paying a lot of money to be there on stage saying, come work for me, but there's nobody there. So like, if your people aren't on those channels, like, what do you think you're doing? Um, And so I said, do you have suggestions in terms of tools? And he goes, yeah, maybe. I was like, please. And he's like, (laughs) sure. And so he connected me with Jeremy Roberts over at Seekout and, you know, the teams over at Visage and a couple other places. And it's been really cool. So um, Jeremy Roberts, God bless him. He's super patient too. And we were on a call with him just going through a uh, kind of rundown of the system. And I said, you know, because here I was looking at it for our tech side of the business because we've got yeah. a, a operations out in Fremont. And I'm like, oh, this will be great. But GitHub, like all, all these things, right? This will help me go further and faster with tech recruiting. And I was like, can we just throw stylists in there? And he's like, well, I've never done that in a call. And I go, I think it's a perfect time to start. <laughs> and so sure enough, like with no like understanding of how this is going to go, he threw a stylist in there. <laughs> we found was pretty shocking. We're able to leverage essentially and Jared and all the other people who are in my space who are listening to this. This is a really great channel. So I'm going to give you some tools to do your job differently and better. Essentially, Seekout can be leveraged as a talent insights vehicle for targeting specific personas of candidates. And it gives me a knock on where do people live digitally in a specific geographical area. Uh-huh. And if I have insight into that, I can essentially put targeted call to actions in those specific channels to attempt to convert those candidates, which has been working. It's commercial time. You already know that Sovereign makes the world's best resume CV parser. But did you know that Sovereign also makes the world's best AI matching engine? Only Sovereign's AI matching engine goes beyond the buzzwords. With Sovereign, you control how the engine thinks. With every match, the Sovereign Engine tells you what matched and exactly how each matching document was scored. And if you don't agree with the way it scored the matches, you can simply move some sliders to tell it to score the matches your way. No other engine on earth gives you that combination of insight and control. With Sovereign, matching isn't some frustrating black box, trust us, it's magic, one-shot deal like all the others. No. With Sovereign, matching is completely understandable, completely controllable, and actually kind of fun. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> Seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text Uh kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools 
and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> it's showtime. And by the way, when you say seek out, you mean former deathmatch winner seek out of the Chad and Cheese podcast. What? I don't know this. Deathmatch, huh? We have a deathmatch competition that we haven't had in a while thanks to COVID, but uh, seek out was one of our winners. I love it. Here's the big question. It sounds like many in this space, not just looking for beauticians, but many are trying to find that silver bullet, that never has existed. But what you found out when you dug into the data is that indeed wasn't the silver bullet and you guys needed to diversify, not just because they were charging 10 times that of what they had, you know, months before, but putting all your eggs in one basket doesn't make sense. And that's not a strategy. That's just a tactic. You guys are using all of these different tools now as your, your Iron Man setup per se, to be able to help the search portion along with the recruitment marketing. What about things like beauty schools, being able to tap into them? Have you guys actually worked out, I'm assuming you have, worked very closely with lo local beautician schools to be able to, to give them a, a, a fast line uh, into your, your stores? Uh, yeah. So, well, we own 80. So that's, that's a start. Um, so we uh, partially. Okay. So you own 80 schools. So, and maybe I'm off in the numbers, but we own Empire Beauty Schools. We're a partial, wow. partial owner in them. So, so but we have it just because you have them in your, I mean, yes, smart move. Yes. But to your point, are you leveraging those connections and are you creating a channel for success like in your strategy? Right. Because if I have them in my, if I'm, I have them in, in the bucket in terms of companies that we own, like as a parent company, but I don't talk to them ever, like it's not going to help us. And so um, we are actually working with and plug for JobSync because my God, they're awesome. But um, working to create a quick capture form to be able to de deploy at a lot of the beauty schools that we can um, harness that information and get it to, to our franchisees. And all of this, so again, a lot of different channels we're talking about, because as you said, there's no silver bullet. And the other piece in, in my world is what works in one market doesn't necessarily work in another market. So essentially, I have to create systems and tools that are available so that the given franchisee, depending on their need, can grab them and activate them if needed. And to do that, right, you have to have a foundational understanding of how to do this. And so that's where we brought in um, Craig Fisher, and he is helping to kind of build our, our overall cohesive talent brand. But the other thing that um, we're having him do, or I'm having him do, is do uh, many masterclasses to our franchisees to help them understand how to 
essentially exist in this new world um, and it's new war for talent because at the end of the day, I can build you sexy tech, right? I can build you intuitive tech, but if you don't know how and when to use it, it's useless. Real quick. So first off, JobSync also won uh, a different death match. And number two, you're telling me <laughs> that you're telling me that you had this funnel of schools that you guys own, and that wasn't a primary, a primary source of hires? Correct. Correct. Ouch. And then we had like behemoth old school, very, very, very fragile technology experiences. So I couldn't even tell you in our data yeah. how many people we were getting from those different places. And so at the end of the day, like if I didn't collect the dots, I can't connect the dots. And so yeah. there's a lot that we're what I'm doing right now because I'm a, a department of one um, to build the infrastructure on the back end to make sure that we can tell those stories and numbers with the goal of essentially moving from gut instincts to data insights. Yeah, and I think to, to add to Chad's point of, you know, sort of growing your own and funneling them in, the thing that came to my mind when you're talking about Indeed, you know, sort of re-engaging, um, you know, their, their talent or the profiles in their database that have stylists or the skills that you want, I thought, gee, they probably have their own database of people in their system that have, have applied in the past, um, that they can sort of reinvigorate. Have you considered doing that? And if so... Um, what's the strategy or the the solutions you're you're using to help you, you know, look at your database of folks and re-engage them for job opportunities? Absolutely. So the first step is making sure that the data is consumable. Our former applicant tracking system, there were some issues with that data, with the sundowning of that system. And as a result, all of the applicant data was actually scanned in, in order to go back and check like historical, you know, applies if we were needed to grab that for some reason, we would have to go and search through scanned documentation um, to be able to find that, which is not ideal. And so making sure, right, this is like what you don't want to do when it comes to your systems and infrastructure, but but we're getting it into that consumable spot, right? Because again, if I didn't collect the dots, I can't connect the dots. And so first I've got to get get things into a place that's, that's right so that I can pull that information out. Um, and ideally don't have humans that are going to manipulate it going in because otherwise I don't have clean data. And so a lot of it's been that piece and we've made some great strides in that regard. Um, and then it's trying to figure out, okay, what are our different channels? So we've got that, uh, stylist, the stylist who's in school, right? So like that's a channel. And then I've also got former employees who have worked for me because one, that's one of the largest, um, actually vehicles that we see are rehires. And so how do I leverage that group differently? And so one of the great things is having a tool that's able to, you can serve up different marketing or communications too, because obviously like what's gonna, what I'm gonna tell a stylist who's in school is very different than who, what I would say to somebody who's like, Joel's been a stylist for 15 years, he's a barber. I'm not gonna convert him the same. So it's not that one size fits all approach, but we've got mm -hmm. a great vehicle that helps us do that. And so identify the personas, figure out what's the, the cadence to be able to communicate with those personas, test, sharpen, test, sharpen, just kind of continue on this journey to get it right. And that's where we're at. Talk about, you mentioned your team of one, um, but I assume that you have quite a bit of internal marketing support. Um, I also think about in regards to not just job sort of marketing or recruitment marketing, but I would imagine that platforms like TikTok, Snapchat, 
Instagram, et cetera, would be really valuable in getting in front of folks that could be stylists. Do you work internally with marketing or, or your agency? Is that something you're doing now or thinking about? Oh, 100%. So if you don't, if anybody listening to this doesn't work closely with your marketing internally, y'all go start right now because they should be your best friend and figure out a way to work with them. Amen, sister. That's awesome. Yeah, I just, you know, when we're looking at what converts and multi-source attribution and telling stories with numbers, our, our marketing counterparts have done that for a lot longer than we have. And we can learn a lot from them. I mean, one of my really good friends, Mike Lewis, he owns a company that essentially it's customer journey optimization um, and tells you what's converting and what's what touches are going to convert versus others. Um and it's like, you guys, and he's taught me pretty much all that I know, a lot about this space. And it's allowed me to, to play a lot faster in, in kind of the recruiting world. But like at the end of the day, you need those collaborations because, you know, you guys play for the same same team. It's the, the name in the front, not the team in the back. And so um, I work very closely with our internal marketing teams. We've gone through a lot of changes. We had a, a pretty significant restructuring kind of here recently. And um, now uh, marketing sits very differently, but I'm very, very, very thankful to our internal marketing marketing friends. Any success stories you can share? One of our first initial conversations was really just about like, okay, well, we're, we're planning on putting um, additional content in one of these channels. And I looked at the channel mix and they said, yeah, LinkedIn's not on there. And that's a problem. And she, they, they had said like, well, what do you mean? Stylists aren't on LinkedIn. And I said, yep, checking your design bias there because stylists are on LinkedIn. <laughs> and also like, it's free to storytell on there. I'm talking about like traditional just storytelling. Yeah. And that's the first place that we should be leveraging before like the last. And so just that conversation, I think, really, really helped too. So they went back and, and re-strategized and um, we're working with some outside agencies to help us build out what that storytelling piece looks like. But I think that was a really, really good That's start. I, uh, I learned my lesson to check with marketing first. So, so here's a fun story. Uh, working with one of our vendors who is putting together a video of the technology that we've built. So I brought franchisees to the table. Last, I, I was originally brought in to solve a tech problem. And when I came in, you know, and started to look into like, what's the problem, I first asked like, what's going on here? Instead of just like hitting the gates running and came to find the technology we had was broken, but there was underlying issues if we weren't handling recruiting right. And if we didn't get that right on the front end of our, of our experience or at least calibrate the problem that like, hey y'all, recruiting is important. If you want to have like somebody to serve your customers, when um, in search of while I was fixing the technology, went in search of technology to start to build to meet our needs. And so brought our franchisees to the table to build that because ultimately I can guess, but I probably will get it wrong. <laughs> and so over the last nine months, we've essentially sharpened a pretty cool tech and um we went to make a video for that technology because it's essentially like Alexa for recruiting and conceptually people just can't understand it or wrap their head around it. And so we went to make a video. I got the franchise that was local to the table. I got the franchise consultant in the mix. Like here I thought I was stepping and checking all the boxes. I did not connect with marketing first, which was a terrible, terrible choice because on the flip side, I sent the video, which was done and it was amazing to my marketing uh, 
leader. And she said, I'm going to send you an email. I've got a couple pieces of feedback. And I'm like, oh, crap. I get the email that's like a page long of like, this piece of collateral is three years old. This piece of collateral is five years old. Don't show that because we don't we don't offer that product line anymore. Like all of this stuff. And I was like, I turned to Maya, my CPO, and I said, lesson learned. When Oops. we film anything, we are checking with marketing first and then second and then third. And then we're going to film something. Nice. Nice. So can you give tips to your brothers and sisters out there in the talent acquisition space along with vendors? What should they be looking for in their current systems against what they should be looking for out there in the market today to be able to super amplify their efforts? Absolutely. So to all of my friends that are out there and to the technology people who serve them, before you buy any sort of technology, I need you to map what you've got existing in-house, what your processes are, what systems you're using, and why you're using them. Because ultimately, it's really easy to hit the ground running and say, I need new tech. But if you haven't paused to ask, like, why do I need it? What problems does it solve? What problems does the existing technology we have? Mm -hmm. Um, Not answer, right? Like, if I haven't started with there, you're probably just going to perpetuate some really, really fragile systems. And so first step, know what you've got in house, know how it works. And before you pull a single lever, have that map, do you want the blueprint? Right. Um, and so then if you are going to go look for technology, I need you all to remember something. Salespeople sell, they're trying to sell you on something. I learned, I actually first experienced HR tech from the sales Titans who used to make billions of dollars in this space and went to coffee and closers, uh, a networking group here locally and um, heard from some of the people from HCM sales about like, here's why these large ERP companies uh, put the best of the best in the HR space. And it was because they could convert a CHRO five times faster than they could a CFO to a sale. And so they put the best of the best in that space and had them go sell, right? So you've got the best of the best who are playing against you. You need to ask them how. So often we ask, why do you do what you do? What do you do? But we don't ask people to show us how. If your vendor who you're talking to cannot answer the how question, you have a red flag. Red flag does not mean let's just like jump head, like head first into working with that vendor. You want to pause and ask more questions. And so some of those questions are, how have you, have you worked with somebody before that's like me? For example, I've got 60 plus brands, guys. That's a hot mess in the back end from an analytics standpoint, right? I can't imagine. So show me how you've done this before, if you've done it before. Now, tech vendors, please, please, dear God, can you do me a huge favor? Please stop selling things that don't exist. No vaporware here. That's what <laughs> I cannot believe some of the situations that I've seen where, you know, sales and product aren't aligned and all of a sudden sales goes and sells and they close a project and they move it into over into implementation. And the engineers like, what the heck? We don't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to find that out after you've hit like implementation. You want right. to figure that out on the front end. You can do that by asking sharp questions and listening. And if there is a red flag, ask more questions. Don't just put it under a rug because that's how we get friction-filled tech. 
it was like, just please, 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 please. And salespeople don't perpetuate the bad in this industry. Like we've got broken technology. We haven't historically done the best of it. Yes, we build solutions that address symptoms instead of issues. I get all of this, but don't be more of the problem, please. If you've got somebody who's sitting in front of you that says, I want to hyper-customize my experience of your technology, and you know that that's not the right thing to do, you should say, please don't do this. This is not the right thing to do. It takes you off a product roadmap and you won't be able to lift the system three years from now. Is that what you want to do? Like be more of a solutions partner than a yes man. So Jenny, I want to I want to take a 3,000 foot view back from what we just talked about and, and more of a clarification than a question. But what I heard was, a, a, an organization that may be defaulted uh, to, you know, job sites or posting jobs and and discovering that, you know, either out of sheer luck that we're paying an exorbitant amount of money for an application and that's a red flag. And then an organization that went on a journey of how do I do it differently than posting jobs to these sites, which led you to sourcing, maybe relooking at the schools that are that are churning out graduates that could be applicants, maybe looking at your your database of past applicants. Am I correct on that? And and if so, do you think a lot of other organizations are on a similar journey of, gee, there's other ways to do this because maybe the way we've always done it isn't the way that we should keep doing it. I think a lot of people are in a similar space, but um, I will say what I found is people haven't checked their design bias for what success looks like. And so, um, and just like when I use that term for people who are listening in, uh, design bias, we're, we're building like research in the scientific side, which I'm, I'm a nerd in the group. If I think success looks like a certain way and I go about it in that, like down that path, these are the different, you know, factors I need to consider. If I didn't actually start with a totally white slate, I'm shrinking my options for what's potential coming out of the gates. And so how that might look in in recruiting is we always get our candidates from Indeed. Recruitment marketing is the only thing that works for us. We need to like fill in, like, I have to ask that question in my application And so instead, I want you to pause for a second. I want you to figure out what is it that we're trying to solve, right? And what's the problem we're going after here? And not only that, but like, does leadership agree that this is the same problem? Because you got to have it calibrated. And then once you get to the point where you're all agreeing on the same problem, then go and reverse engineer to figure out how to solve for that problem. Don't use what you've historically done as, you know, I guess your blueprint for success because... That's not how you kind of overcome a worker talent. That's just my my thoughts on it. it. It's not a same as it ever was kind of landscape today, kids. That's the director of digital experience and talent acquisition at Reaches Corp, Jenny Cody Kangas, aka JCK. Thanks for. Thanks for thanks for being here. I mean, we, we love the we love the story. We love the background. We love all the transparency. If somebody wants to connect with you, or maybe even I don't know, check out jobs at Regis, where would you send them? Don't check out jobs at Regis until we break down our career site, guys. It's not so great. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna see a great example of what not to do if you want to go check out jobs at Regis. Um, feel free to do that, but. Uh, LinkedIn's the best way to get a hold of me. I will be the first to admit I'm terrible at responding to messages on there. If I don't respond, shoot me another message. It's not that I'm not being intentional. Well, it's I 
my mind is probably just somewhere else. So you're busy. <laughs> you got stuff going on, JCK. We get that. We get that. Thanks, Jenny. You guys are the best. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Another one in the books, you bet. We, we out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.